The Smithfield Murder, a short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James, part nine. Their investigation's at an end. Sergeant Graves and Inspector Bowman confront Boothby and the stallholders at Smithfield Market. The empire might well span half the globe, mused Arthur Boothby, as he stood at the top of the steps leading to his office. But he could give it a run for its money. Looking below him, he felt a sense of pride at his dominion. Counters groaned with meat in anticipation of the day's trade. Butchers stood poised for the sale. Cuts of every size hung from every wall. To his right, livestock awaited their fate, their nostrils steaming in anticipation. Shepherds and farmers gathered in knots to talk. And over it all, Arthur Boothby held sway. Walking down the steps to the main gates, Boothby let his eyes wander from stall to stall. Few traders met his eye. Some even looked away as he passed. No matter. If they wanted a stall at Smithfield, they'd have to lump him. He chuckled to himself, his mean mouth stretching into something resembling a smile. The Scotland Yarders had disappeared as fast as they had come. Boothby fancied the Bowman fellow had given it up as a bad job. With Hibbert out the way, all was clear. In a little less than ten years, he would leave the market and buy a small holding near the sea back in the old country. Morecambe Bay had always been a favourite, and he fancied he might live out his final days in comfort, staring at the sea from his modest house. Now he must be certain that O'Sheehy and his gang would be true to their word. Perhaps Hibbert might prove an example to them. Pulling a chain of keys from his pocket, Boothby put a hand to the gates to steady himself. It was going to be a busy day. Let's leave those shut, shall we? Feeling a hand at his shoulder, Boothby turned to find himself face to face with Sergeant Graves. Inspector Bowman wants a word. The sergeant stepped aside to reveal the inspector standing some way off. Beside him stood O'Sheehy and his lad, Griffiths, Prentice, Adams, Wallace and Samuelson. The market sealed, Boothby. No one's coming or going. Bowman had his hands in his pockets, his coat pulled tight around him. The game's up, Arthur. O'Sheehy's Irish drawl was thick with defeat. The seven men behind the inspector looked downcast, their shoulders slumped in dejection. They've as good as confessed, Boothby, Bowman called. Boothby sensed he was trapped. With his back to the gates, he had nowhere to run. Confess to what? he hissed. Bowman took a step forward, the lamps on the wall behind him lengthening his shadow across the floor. To being accessories to the murder of Solomon Hibbert. Looking about him, Boothby could see a crowd was gathering. Traders were leaving their stalls to watch the proceedings. Then take them away and lock them up. Graves was smiling at him now. He said accessories to murder. There's another who took the lead. Then catch him, string him up. They might yet do that, Arthur. O'Shea was holding up a conciliatory hand. Give it up, man. Boothby appealed to the detectives. But I was at the bishop's finger all that night. The men'll tell you that. At the mention of the public house, Bowman stood aside to admit another. A young woman took his place, blinking into the cold morning air. The crowd exchanged nudges. Graves' eyes grew wide. Swathed in a coat and scarf, Lily looked all the more voluptuous. By rights, she should be warm in her bed, she thought, but this inspector chap was quite the persistent sort. Lily, Bowman was saying, 
Do you know these men? Lily looked around at the ramshackle group. Know them? I spend half my time trying to avoid them. The spectators laughed at this. Lily, enjoying her audience, gifted them a smile. Could you tell me, Bowman continued, which of these men were at the bishop's finger the night before last? Lily looked around and raised an arm to point at each man in the group. As her accusing finger damned them in turn, they each looked to the ground. Bowman raised an eyebrow in mock inquiry. But not Mr. Boothby. Lily shook her head. No, not him, not that night. Bowman stood stock still. Your story was a lie, was it not, Mr. Boothby? Bowman was circling him now. Cooked up to cover your absence. It was unfortunate that none of your gang had the wit to find their own words. To what end? Boothby demanded, his arms wide. Why would I want Hibbert dead? Bowman turned his head to his companion. Graves? I took a little ride this morning, Mr. Boothby. Or rather, I was taken. What is this? Boothby jeered. The inspector and I were party to some unusual activity last night, Graves continued, right here at Smithfield Market. While your traders took their deliveries in the small hours of the morning, we found a Mr. Harry Absalom plying his trade. Boothby blanched at the name. I jumped his cart. As you bid him have a safe journey, I lay under a sheet, just four feet from you. Grave smiled again. Boothby's eyes darted left and right, thinking through the repercussions of the sergeant's words. We know your deal with Absalom. Bowman was face to face with Boothby now. And so did Hibbert. Didn't he? Mr. Boothby. Boothby remained tight-lipped. Hibbert wasn't happy, O'Shee interjected. We all knew that. The inspector tells me he stopped paying rent in protest, but you covered it up, so we wouldn't know. Fists clenched before him. It was clear O'Shee was itching for a fight. He threatened to expose us, roared Boothby, cornered. What would you have me do? You paid him hush money. O'Shee was flexing his hands. Our money. The traders around them had started to protest and jeer. We knew there was something crooked going on, declared one. We wanted no part of it, proclaimed another. Bowman understood. Stanley Kelly, he called. A young man stepped forward, his face a mask of defiance. Bowman clapped a hand upon his shoulder. This is Stanley Kelly, an upright man if ever there was one. And I should imagine there are many more such men here. Shouts of agreement rang out. You have debased our trade. Kelly's lip was quivering with emotion. It's only horse meat. Boothby threw back his head and roared. It's good enough for the Frenchies. Good enough for the Savoy, would you say? Bowman's moustache twitched. That meat is culled under such conditions as to be unsafe. It is not fit for consumption. That alone would be enough to see you lose your licence. Voices rang out to punctuate the morning air. Take it off him, called one. As low as he was, continued Bowman, the crowd at his back, Hibbert would not see his trade perverted. But soon you lost your patience. Concocting a story to protect yourself, you sent your men to the bishop's finger while you lay in wait. Alice Hibbert told me of your weekly meetings, after which her husband would return with fists full of notes. Our money! snorted O'Shee, his feet scuffing the ground. Two nights ago, Hibbert left for his meeting, but he was never to return. 
The crowd was silent now. They may have shared no love for Hibbert, but none amongst them would have seen him harmed. You set about him, did you not? Bowman looked around at the butcher's stalls. Each had the instruments of trade hung from hooks. It is not hard to see where you might have found your weapons. He put up a fight, for sure. Boothby relented. His shoulders slumped. And then Oshihi and the others returned from the inn to help you carry him here. Bowman was toe-to-toe -to -toe with him again. Only you had the keys to the gate. Bowman held out a hand. Boothby hesitated before handing over the keys. The inspector's hand closed around them. Your men stuck him on a hook, he continued, as a warning to others to hold their tongue. It took four men to get him down. I dare say it would have taken double to get him up, slippery with blood as he was. There were murmurings amongst the crowd. He deserves to hang, said Kelly, his eyes ablaze. They all do. Boothby looked about him, suddenly exposed. He would never go down at the hands of a baying mob. His eyes fell on Oshihi. The Irishman had broken ranks. Whatever he had told the inspector, it had been too much. Boothby felt his blood rising and the prospect of a comfortable retirement in Morecambe Bay slipping away. With a roar, he charged at the man, barrelling into him at speed. Caught off guard, Oshihi fell to the floor with a thud, his head cracking hard against the stone. At a signal from Bowman, Graves took a whistle from his pocket and blew. There was an immediate stillness in the market. Even Boothby let his quarry go in surprise. Oshihi took the advantage of the moment to punch his assailant square in the jaw. Approaching footsteps could be heard from around the corner near the market entrance. They were running. Bowman sprung to the gate, deftly turning the key in the lock to admit half a dozen constables in uniform and Detective Inspector Ignatius Hicks. As the constables ran to apprehend the gang under Graves' direction, Hicks approached Bowman with a swagger. Well done, Inspector Bowman, he breathed. Bowman was careful to show no emotion. Of course, I would have had this all wrapped up if you had called upon me sooner. Indeed, agreed Bowman, deadpan. But I did not think it wise to disturb you at your breakfast. As the constables rounded up their charges, Bowman turned to Stanley Kelly and met his eye. Mr Kelly, he called across the concourse, get this market open and you may proceed with your trade. With that, he threw him the key and turned away, the faintest of smiles playing on his lips.